From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five to thirty miles on. strange period of isolation been good for your relationship? Has it been terrible? Or maybe, just maybe, are you single and trying to navigate what it means to date when we're barely able to leave the house? Welcome to Love Etc. We're your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about love and dating in a time of a pandemic. To do that, we've asked you guys, what's this period been like for you? Has it exposed the good parts of your relationship or the flaws? 1,000 of you told us everything in a survey. Then we're talking to a woman named Lauren who ended up in quarantine with a man she'd only been on a couple of dates with. But Zara, for the last episode of season two, we thought we would start with, of course, our listeners and our audience. How on earth have they found love and dating in the midst of COVID-19? Well, this was a really interesting one, wasn't it? We put a survey out and we surveyed just over a thousand of our listeners in the space of, I don't know, not even 12 hours, Mitch. So it was a very quick response rate. And I wanted to start with the responses from the people who identified as single in this period because I was quite surprised with how they responded. Of the single people who responded to this survey, 22% of those had said that they had just foregone dating entirely in this period and just weren't really bothering. Yeah, absolutely. Some people commented that they they just didn't see a point in dating, that they felt like it was a bit of a dead end right now and they were just using this time to get to know themselves better, which I thought was quite beautiful in some ways. Of course, lots of people still want to connect, which I think I would fall into that camp if I was single, Zara. The majority of people are using Bumble as their predominant form of dating right now. So 26% of single Love It Cetera listeners are using Bumble as their main form of dating. Next down, we have some rebels. 17% of listeners are still meeting up for casual sex despite the restrictions in place. Yeah. And despite the fact they're not allowed to, I found that surprising and maybe that's just my naivety because I am not single at the moment and nor are you so I hadn't really thought about the fact that some people could be running around behind closed doors and doing this um it is I don't know the fact that 11% of people too were doing zoom dates kind of freaks me out because I would be so awkward if I was having a first date with someone over a video link like I think I'm just an awkward person generally but dating is hard enough imagine then taking that to a zoom date or a walking date for the first time I have huge respect for the people doing Zoom dates. I think if I was single, I think I would definitely be leaning into Bumble or walking dates. I think walking dates are actually quite a cute, quaint way to begin a relationship. You have to keep conversation going. You can't move too quickly in a physical sense. Like you've got to keep you 1.5 meters. But going for a walk around the neighborhood is actually quite a nice way to get to know someone. 
Well, I saw this very interesting meme a couple of weeks ago, which likened what we're going through right now and the dating experience to a bit of pride and prejudice. This idea that you hold up with your family or whoever you live with for an extended period of time and the only time you can really meet someone is if they come and take you for a walk. And I was like, oh my God, that's so bang on. I have my favorite part myself about going for a walk in the morning or of an evening after work is noticing the people that are on dates and you can spot them from a mile away because they're the only ones putting like a little bit of effort into their outfits on their walk like they're actually in proper clothing while the rest of us are in our slobby stuff I think as well, people on walking dates don't know what to do with their hands. You often see them with their hands kind of like clasped in front of them or like on their hips or something. Like that awkward body language on a first date where you're like, what the fuck do I do with all my limbs? I did find it interesting, Zara. This wasn't a very popular answer, but 6% of listeners are still having phone sex as the predominant form of dating. Which also seems quite intimidating if you're not. I mean, look at me. I'm just intimidated by everything though. But if you are just meeting someone to do that, like that does seem intimidating any of you haven't perhaps met them for the first time. Or maybe these are people who have met this person for one or two dates, but it's really not the kind of relationship where you're going to keep seeing each other and keep catching up through the midst of a pandemic. I wonder if that 6% are just as horny as the 17% meeting up for casual sex, but take the restrictions just that little bit more seriously. They're like, I will not jeopardize our chance of reducing the restrictions. I will just do it over the phone. They were the good kids in class back in the day. (laughs) The good kids in class who are just as horny. Now, I want to share one answer from a listener who seemed to be thriving in isolation. This is what she wrote to us. My boyfriend and I broke up just before all of this really kicked off, not related to the pandemic at all, but I feel it's been a good time for me and my own personal growth. I've just moved into my own place by myself and an hour away from my friends, four hours away from my parents, but it's been a great time to figure out who I am and navigate being single for the first time in a few years. I feel my relationship with myself has really been strengthened. I have to say, one thing I did want to say is a massive shout out to anyone who is going through a breakup through this period. I mean, that is an incredibly graceful and incredibly beautiful look at a heartbreak in this time when you can't see anyone. But God, breakups are hard enough for the people who are out there who might be struggling and who may have just gone through a breakup props to you for getting up every day and going to work or whatever it is, because I can't imagine many scenarios that would be harder. And I don't think that's a conversation that we've validated much yet on a public level, Mish. Yeah, absolutely. Going through a breakup would be awful. I mean, I would definitely want to be leaning on my best friends in a time like this. So for that listener to be at home in her new place, building a new life for herself, is bloody inspirational to be honest. Like good on you if that's the case that you have been through personal life trauma in the form of a breakup and you are using this time to reconnect with yourself. Like props to you. I think that's absolutely incredible. Zara, let's move on to the people who are either dating someone seriously or are in a committed relationship. I was so surprised to find out that the majority, a big majority of Love Etc. listeners are finding that this pandemic is having a really positive impact on their romantic relationships. Correct. So of the listeners who responded to this survey who were in a relationship, 67% said that it had had a positive effect on their relationship. The inverse of that though, Mish, even though people's relationships are generally improving in this time, the overall effect on the health of people's sex life is skewed negatively. 
Yes, that's correct. Now, this included Love Etc. listeners, whether they are single, whether they're in a relationship, whatever your circumstance is. 29% of respondents said this pandemic has had a positive impact on their sex life. 37% said it's had absolutely no change. 34% said it's had a negative effect. And I do wonder if that's simply people abiding by the rules and stay at home and not having casual sex with people if they're not allowed to. Yeah, and I also think there's something to be said for potentially couples that even live together and that are now consistently in each other's space, that are working all day together. Like there is something sometimes a little less sexy about never being out of their space. That's true. I was surprised by this. I did think it would have an overall net positive effect because, I mean, the opportunities if you are living with your significant other have tripled possibly. So I was surprised by that. I would be interested, maybe in hindsight, Zara, we should have broken that up into single people responding to that question and in a relationship because I think those in a relationship would probably report an uptick in their sexual life and their sexual activity. I do want to share, though, some of the really positive stories because I think the most uplifting thing about doing this survey was that the majority of us have actually used this disastrous time from a health and a financial perspective to be a really nourishing one from a personal life perspective. A lot of us are doing really well in love and friendship and dating. And I think we should explore some of those stories. What about you? Oh, I was really warmed to hear this. I think it says a lot about the strength of our relationships. It also says a lot about how little time we give ourselves in the past to invest in our relationships. I think if you straw poll the majority of people across their lifetime, they would say the most important thing they have is their relationships. And yet when life is chaotic and crazy and we're investing in our work and our friends and whatever it might be, sometimes the most important relationships are the ones that fall away. I did find it kind of beautiful that rather than finding themselves in a rut, people are generally seeming to use this time to actually create memories at home and have quality time together. There was one um, very simple response from a listener anonymously who said, I'm just very grateful. We've been able to spend more time together, do things like cook together frequently and even get excited over going to the supermarket or going for a walk. I think it's beautiful and I think it's also a bit of a pat on the back to anyone in a relationship like that. It feels like a big green tick next to your relationship and the bond you have together when the more time you spend together, the better that relationship is. I do want to share this one. This is in a similar vein, Zara. This is from one listener who said, I was on the verge of moving out before this pandemic, but it helped us get back on track and both step up in regards to communicating. This time has reminded me of how much I still love him despite the rough patch we've been going through. That's another lovely one too. I think uh, a lot of time we talk about space and slowing down as kind of the cause of breakups because you suddenly have time to think about the things that you don't want in them. But the inverse of that is clearly true too, that you have time to suddenly think about everything you like about them. This is another kind of positive outcome one, I guess, but this was from a listener who had been in a situation that has recently fallen apart. She said, my situation is that I've been in a situation on and off for the last 18 months and it finally came to an end during the pandemic. I think for me, the pandemic helped me realize it wasn't right and I was accepting a half-assed relationship. For example, one of our main issues was that I wanted to see him more than he wanted to see me and it didn't bother me so much because we were both busy and he would have had things on. But during a pandemic, he has literally nothing on and still didn't make the effort to show that he wanted to see me or talk to me, which was a real eye-opener. 
Good on you. Good on you for ending that, whoever that listener is. I think that's awesome. And I agree. I think this is really clarifying for a lot of people. This listener wrote, I was meant to be getting married on the 23rd of May. And while my fiance and I are so heartbroken that we've had to postpone our wedding, this time has made me realize James is 100% the person I'm meant to be with for the rest of my life. This has surprisingly made me care so much less about the wedding as well and more about our marriage and our future. I'm so grateful to be blessed with my partner and that he has chosen me forever because I choose him too. Oh, what a lovely thing to write. That is quite sweet. I have to say the wedding one is very interesting, Mish, because I think what it's done is it's forced people, not just people getting married, I think, but everyone, because it's a more of a public conversation, to acknowledge the reason why they get married. And I started thinking too, like, what would I do? What are the reasons that I get married? And I think the reason that I would get married is to have everyone I love in the same room and therefore I would postpone. Therefore, I'm getting married not just for the marriage, but also for the for the celebration of everyone I love in the same place. What about you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think this has really put weddings into perspective. My sister is supposedly getting married in September. I mean, we will cross our fingers and toes. I'm supposed to be maid of honor. So it's going to be interesting putting together a hens party in these kinds of conditions. (laughs) But I agree. I think this has made people reconsider. I think wedding culture was so rampant before the pandemic. Not that that's a bad thing. If you love weddings, you love weddings like you do you. But this does put it into a different frame of thinking in that people can still love each other. People can still have incredibly healthy, nourishing marriages and weddings kind of are the first to fall away. Like if we can't do them, we can't do them. It doesn't mean people can't find different ways to celebrate their love or people can't postpone them and do them in a different way to what they first envisaged. I think it's just given us a new frame of thinking around the role that weddings serve. I'm actually very interested to see what happens to the wedding industry after this pandemic ends, whether it has a huge rise, who knows, maybe it has a meteoric rise back to what it was before. But maybe people also think, did I need this huge, luxurious, over-the-top wedding? Maybe not. I mean, I kind of think that the wedding industry will absolutely slingshot out of this. There's no doubt about it. I mean, imagine the backlog of weddings. Even if less people are getting married, there's still a whole backlog of people who arguably still want to get married and they're all going to be competing for the same weekends. That said, I I don't think it'll change the amount of people who get married or have weddings, but I think it's really forced people to consider what the purpose of their wedding is and to actually unpack the reasons behind that. I did want to read one other response, Mish, from a listener who wrote very beautifully too. She said, I've come to the realization that my marriage is not going to last in this period. We're now sleeping in separate rooms. We have split but are still friendly. And when isolation is over, we will probably begin the process of moving out. It's disappointing, but at the same time, I am somewhat grateful to isolation for showing me that this marriage isn't going to last and that we don't have what it takes to make it. Because without the distractions of work and outside life to hide the issues in your marriage, they bubble to the surface and it's better to find them now rather than waste 10 years of your life only to find out then. The band-aid of life distractions was what was keeping our marriage afloat. Isolation has ripped that band-aid off and for that I am grateful. Wow. I am so interested to see what happens to the divorce rate after this also. When we consider that across the year, consistently Christmas time and New Year's time is the peak for couples divorcing, I think this isolation is like that time, that time of holidays and relaxation from work and taking a pause from the chaos of life. 
is amplified. Like we've had that week on week on week. So if we always see couples divorcing around Christmas and New Year's, imagine what this seven or eight weeks of confinement together and that really close proximity to each other and lack of distractions is going to do to a lot of marriages. I think we'll see heaps of couples get divorces. I think you're absolutely bang on though. If the divorce rate is higher around holiday seasons and stuff like that, you can't even fathom what it would be like after eight weeks just locked in our own homes. And that, like we said, is not necessarily a bad thing. It might get people into much healthier, happier, more fulfilling relationships. I think there'd be a common line of thinking in a time like this that if you aren't handling this period with your partner or if it's not been positive for your relationships, if you were one of those people who responded to the survey and said it's not been great for your relationships, that it's not a good sign. And I think that might be an unfair line of thinking. If your relationship isn't thriving right now, that's not necessarily a telling sign for me. I think it's a really tough period on a lot of people. I think people would be struggling with mental health. There are so many hurdles for a couple to get through. So I don't think it's a red flag if people aren't feeling positively about their relationships in this time. I just think it's true that it's a green flag if it's being better for you. Zara, I also want to bring in this great example of how the pandemic has clarified what women want out of their relationships. So this listener wrote in to us, I'm so grateful for this pandemic in terms of dating. I used to be the sort of person that falls in love with the idea of someone, only to be extremely disappointed when those built-up ideas were never being met. I also think I jumped into bed with guys early on with the intention of establishing a romantic connection through being physically close. I found that the feelings I had were only really due to the rush of hormones during sex and not due to the individual themselves. She went on to explain that she's had some really great Zoom dates and Bumble dates with men that she's met. And she said now that she feels like she's emotionally connecting with people and she's finding the people she's talking to to be emotionally and intellectually stimulating. She said that there's a guy from her university that she's connected with that she's really excited to meet. She finished with, I'm excited for what the future holds and even if this doesn't work, I think I'll try to focus more on meaningful conversations in my future dating life post-COVID. Coming up after our Bumble break, what happened when Lauren decided to self-isolate under the world's strictest COVID-19 restrictions with a man she'd only known for two weeks? But first, it's time for our Bumble break. Mish, this pandemic has changed the nature of online dating for so many people in that meeting others in real life for a first date just can't happen at the moment. But Bumble believes there are still creative ways to keep in touch. That's right, Zara. You guys have probably heard of Bumble's video chat and voice calling features, but there have been a few new additions as of late as well, including their distance filters and questions game. Yep, if you are stuck on ways to make conversation with your match, Bumble is here to help. This is what I love to hear. Their questions game lets you ask and answer questions to get to know one another. You can shuffle the questions until you find one you both like or even type a new one of your own. But both of you have to respond before the other person's answer is revealed. That is so good. I love that so much. Another one of Bumble's newest features is their distance filter. If you've ever wondered what the dating pool in a different city is like, this filter will let you see for yourself. You can now match with people throughout your entire country. Simply head to your settings, tap the gear icon, and then move your distance slider all the way to the right. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission.
Lauren is an Australian journalist based in London. At the very end of February this year, a couple of months ago, just as the pandemic was accelerating globally, she met Dana, a man who completely upended, in the best way possible, the next two months of her life. So we actually met at a dungeon. My friend is like a professional mistress and she owns a dungeon in South London for kind of like kink and she works in there. And then she was throwing a little party on a Wednesday night just for friends to come over. And so, yeah, I went and I met Dana there. Okay, so we'll get to Dana in a moment, but dungeons? What in the world happens in a dungeon? Well, I guess it depends on the actual party. So there's different kind of people who run it in different ways. This Wednesday, it was just maybe like 15 people because it was really small. And so this dungeon is kind of set up with two different rooms. The one set up like a library and it's got all like wallpaper on the walls that looks like books. And there's like a really nice lounge and there's like a table. Those people in there like spanking each other. And then there's a massive big room which just has all sorts of equipment. People were just kind of like having fun, like tying each other up. This party wasn't really for sex. It was just for kind of like kink fun. And someone was doing like fire play and just like socializing as well. People were just chatting and having drinks and stuff like that. So that's a dungeon. And in there was a man called Dana. We'd been like briefly introduced, like everyone had said hello. And there were some people I knew there. And then he does like rope, it's called Shabari. And I'd seen him do rope on someone else earlier and then I thought he was really hot. And so I just walked up to him with like, do you want to tie me up? And he was like, yeah. And then I just started while he was kind of tying me up, I then just started ranting about Australian politics at him. I was just talking about Australian politics versus British politics and how all of the parties are a little bit rubbish, but you know, our prime minister's terrible and teaching him about Australian politics. And then we just started talking about healthcare systems. And he was like suspending me from a frame. So I was kind of like being tied up and being suspended. Afterwards, we were just chatting a lot and we, you know, he's very intelligent. And, you know, he was talking about the problems over here as well with their like healthcare funding. And, and then I kind of like asked for his number and he messaged me that night being like, oh, I hope you got home well, because he'd said, oh, we should go out sometime or like do something. And I was like, yeah. And I just thought, oh, that was really nice to meet someone who you can like really, you know, you just have that click with straight away. Immediately upon meeting Dana, Lauren knew something was different. It had been a really long time since she'd felt like this towards someone so early on. I, the last time I was in a relationship, it ended in January 2017. And I've always like date a lot and go out and hook up with people a lot. But I've never felt the need to like be with someone or really like be drawn to someone in that way in a really long time. Immediately I was like, oh, that was really nice. Like I really want to see what happens here. And so then he suggested we go out for lunch or go out for dinner or something. And I was just like, yes, I was really excited about it. And I hadn't felt that in a really long time. So after texting back and forth for a little bit, they went on their first date a week and a half after they first met. It went for a mammoth 10 hours. So we went out to lunch on a Sunday. So there was this Vietnamese place and we just ended up there talking for ages. And then we left that and we went walking for a little bit. We were kind of like central London. And then we went to a coffee place and we were there for ages and had 
coffee and cake and we're talking more. We actually went to the tube station and I was kind of like, oh, I just don't want this to end. And this was evening, it was six or seven o'clock. And so I was like, do you want to come back to mine and hang out? And he was like, yeah. And then we were just there like, again, like talking hours and hours. And then we did sleep together. (laughs) But then after that, again, just like talking, we just so much to talk about. It was really lovely. I think I'm a person who is a lot for some people. I do have a big personality and some people are kind of like, okay. And I never felt like that with him. And I felt really excited, but really comfortable straight away. We just had this, this kind of chemistry that I hadn't felt in a long time. From there, it was a bit like a whirlwind. The week following their first date, they saw each other four times. I had work and he like came and met me at work for lunch and we had a little lunch and came and saw me one evening and then we spent all of Friday night and Saturday together and it was so it was so nice and I was kind of like getting really swept up by him really really quickly. So it's the middle of March the coronavirus is really starting to cause chaos worldwide and in London where Lauren lives the city was very quickly starting to shut down. On the Saturday evening, just a week after their first date, Lauren started to fall ill. Coughing was her main symptom. So she called a health service free hotline and asked them about her symptoms. There's a, there was a line, a health service line here in London, and I called them and they were like, you have symptoms of coronavirus, you have to self-isolate. In London, they, because there's just so many people, who were getting sick, they're only testing people if um, you're sick enough to be hospitalised. So they've said at that point at least seven days and then if you were still feeling ill, another seven days, but they did keep changing the advice. So basically I turned to him, especially because I'd seen him so much in the last week, mainly because I need to tell him in case he was sick. And then I said, you know, I'm sick, I self-isolate. And so what we decided to do was he decided to come and stay at mine for the self-isolation period, mainly as well because he lives in a share house with more people, whereas I was at that point in my apartment alone because my housemate had gone to stay at his mum's. So it made more sense in case we both got sick for him to just spread it to his housemates, but also because we didn't want to like go without seeing each other for a couple of weeks potentially. And then, well, in the middle of their self-isolation period, just as Lauren started to feel a little bit better, London went into full lockdown. Unlike Australia, where health authorities gave permission for partners to see each other if they did not live together, Britain was far more strict. Either commit to moving in together, they told couples, or wait this period out in your respective homes. While we were self-isolating, I think we just finished like seven days and then they announced the lockdown. So then it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? Because we thought like, oh, we'll be together a couple of weeks and then we might still be able to see each other. And then it was like, well, we've gone this long and it seems to be going pretty well. Uh, I guess you're staying. That advice was pretty harsh because it was like, even if it's, you know, your partner, you can't just go and visit them. So that was part of the decision because it was like, well, if you're in one house and I'm in one house, we can't see each other for months and months. We were in this period where we were just like, well, I don't want to go and this has been good so far. And I guess if worse comes to worse, he can leave and go back. It's not like the police will be like, you can't go back to your home. It was a very like snap decision in terms of like, okay, just stay. I feel good right now, so just stay. It's been seven weeks since Lauren and Dana moved in together, but it's not like the normal couple experience of moving in together. I mean, there's nothing normal about isolation. Like everyone, they live in each other's pockets and are unable to see anyone else. 
So what's that experience been like to not just move in together so quickly, but in such extreme circumstances? Um, Yeah, it's been really intense. After a couple of weeks, I did say I understand a little bit more, I think, people on reality TV shows and how if they're in this really weird situation and forced together with people for a long period of time, they're like, I totally love you. I love you. I seriously think like it like speeds things up because we've both acknowledged that we definitely did have this chemistry and we did have something very special, but we do think that it has sped up a relationship a lot. I think we would have gotten to this point eventually anyway, but having to be together 24-7 and be in a very weird situation and not be able to really hang out with anyone else in our lives has meant that it's just like intensified everything. And, you know, something that would have happened, you know, six months down the line has happened much quicker just because there isn't anyone else and we're having to rely on each other a lot and just like spend every second together. We have been, I guess, in like a little love bubble. So everything's been pretty good so far. And I think that's one of the things like we have found it very easy to live together. I think obviously like we both enjoy it being with around other people so that has been hard for us both to not be able to to see other people and when you can't leave it's difficult because sometimes you do want your own space and we try and do that a bit but it is like a small apartment so you can't really go anywhere but we do try and like give each other alone time so that we can just kind of like sit with yourself for a lot of couples, it takes a long time to develop the kinds of communication skills it requires to live together. So how did Lauren and Dana build those skills in a matter of weeks? I think we both are very quite good at that in terms of communication. I mean, even on our first date, that was something we spoke about, about what we like and being able to communicate with someone is really important. But also that's probably because we both are, I guess, in the kink community and that kind of thing is very much encouraged and built into situations. So anyone I found within that community is generally very good at being able to communicate and being able to understand that like even if you're saying no or even if you're saying like I don't want that, that's not like an attack on the other person. So I think that helps a lot. But we're like both very good and very open about saying, oh, I just need space and like not taking it as an insult. And what about love then? About a month ago, Lauren says it became apparent exactly how she was feeling. I had been feeling it, but I didn't want to say it first because actually my last long-term relationship he had said I love you and then took it back and so I had this issue with saying I love you because I was like I don't want this to happen to me again how do you say I love you and then take it back so he said I love you and then I'd noticed he hadn't like said it in a while and I was like is there an issue and then he was like I just don't I, I don't feel like I can love anyone right now so he took back saying I love you so that would obviously make you hesitant to say it to someone else. Yeah, so I was kind of like, I can't say this to someone else first. Like, this is... Anyway. And so we'd been playing Cards Against Humanity online with some of our friends a day before, and someone had played a card that was, like, something about, like, what's the biggest self-own, and someone had played the saying I love you card, and everyone had laughed. He'd, like, laughed a lot, and then he was like, you know, I've been feeling it for a while, and then the person played that card, and I was just like, oh, God, I have to say it. And he said it, and then I cried. How quickly do you think you fell in love with him? Because I'm so interested by you saying I kind of understand people in reality shows now. Like it's almost like everybody has them in them in, in the right scenario. How long did it take you? I think probably a week and a half into the self-isolation. Wow. I think it, I would have fallen in love with him anyway. But like I said, I think that it's like everything is intensified by when you are just around someone a lot, you know, and you're in a weird situation. Which And I even said that to him, and we've spoken about that as well, that we both feel the same, that we still feel this, but that if we weren't forced together, it would have happened, you know, longer term. He's amazingly 
intelligent and but he's like amazingly like loving and caring and he he's really funny and he just like makes me smile every day and he really cares about the world and he thinks about things like he's the type of person that I get frustrated when people just do things big things without kind of like thinking it through and he's the type of person that really thinks about things he is very good at so many things I'll always like ask about things if I don't know and he'll always teach me things without making me feel stupid which is a skill but then he'll never try and mansplain or you know not tell me something if I haven't asked so he'll never like assume that I don't know something he is very hot (laughs) and we have incredible sex which is just like so good I feel like we've both learned a lot from each other and I feel like I can tell him anything in a way that I've never felt with any other person what's most interesting about their relationship Lauren says is that both she and Dana are non-monogamous and beginning their relationship in a kind of forced monogamy that's been really interesting for both of us because it actually is like the first time any like we're kind of in like forced monogamy at the moment and neither of us have done that for a while we've both said it's like this is quite obvious to us why we're both non-monogamous because we're both like this is really great but you know if I met someone else and wanted to have a night with them I'd do that and we've spoken a lot about like oh when we get out of lockdown we should go to this party when it's on again that'll be really fun I mean, we've spoken about how we want to structure that when we can see other people. It's really odd to like start something like this and then only be able to see each other. Lauren says Dana is one of the first people she's ever found herself imagining a really long-term future with. So what does she envisage with him when the world starts to slowly go back to normal? I had always planned to come back to Australia for Christmas, like 2020. I'm hoping that borders will be open by then. And so like he's going to come with me for Christmas and New Year, hopefully, again, if that is possible. Um, My mum really hopes it is because she wouldn't have seen me for two years by then. We're going to move in together once lockdown finishes. We've been living together already, but we've planned that. So as soon as that kind of lifts, we're both going to move out of our respective house shares and move in together. And yeah, we've spoken about how we both want to get a dog at some point in the future. Yeah, just stuff like that where it's just really nice. What has the entire experience taught you about love? Oh, God, I think it really happens sometimes. And this is like so cliche, but sometimes things just come out of the blue at you. I know there's been other times in my life where I felt kind of lonely and been like, oh, I really wish I had someone here. But obviously I never wanted to just jump into a relationship if I didn't feel something special, because I think that if you do that, sometimes it just really doesn't work out. And then I really was not looking for anyone. And this thing just kind of happened out of the blue. And I think it's also told me really wonderful things can happen while everything else is terrible because I feel kind of bad because everything else is awful and I see the news every day and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. But then your life can just be wonderful. I've just been so happy in the midst of, you know, everything else going on because I wake up every day with him and it's just wonderful. Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. 